Well, praise God. I'm glad that you're joining us here today online and in the room as we get ready to open up God's word to the final installment in this series that we've titled Jesus is the Champion. Come on, somebody just say Jesus is the Champion. Right, we've been walking through this series, and I'll put these icons up on the screen just to remind us where we've come from. If you're a first-time guest here today, don't stay a guest. Move into family. Take a next step. Become a part of this amazing church that God is doing here at Walk Church. Um, but we started a few weeks back here in a, t- in a sermon that I titled, Champion at the Table. And we there find that Jesus inst- institutes the what he calls the new covenant, this covenant that's found in his blood on the On the Passover festival night before he went to the cross, he took the bread, he took the cup, and he broke the bread, and he spoke this message to the disciples, and he said, this new covenant is going to now be found in his blood. It's not going to be through the works of the law. It's not going to be through the shedding of an animal's blood that Jesus was pronouncing that he was the, the final Passover lamb himself. And he institutes this new covenant, and we talked about the champion at the table. You can go back and visit that that message. We moved in from there, we moved into Palm Sunday, and we looked at the champion on a donkey. As Jesus strolls into Jerusalem, he begins to ascend the hill up to the cross. We find him announce his lordship in that moment. Zechariah 9.9, he fulfills the prophecy. We find him fulfilling the messianic promise that's on his life as people began to cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. That's really what inspired the song we just sang. That's who you are. And then on Good Friday, we talked about how Jesus is the champion on the cross. As he declares, it is finished. As he dies for all of our sins, past sin, present sin, future sin, laid down at the cross. Jesus sheds his blood in our place. He is the champion on the tree, and we need him to be. But praise God that the story doesn't end there, amen? That the story goes into what we celebrated last week. We saw the champion over the grave, that death could not hold him down. Amen? We get excited about that. We can clap for that, right? Death had lost its sting on King Jesus as Jesus burst forth from the grave. He rose again. And we talked about last week how that's so powerful for the believer because not only is he alive, but he's with us, right? He's this, this savior that, that is with his church That's why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because the one who rose from the grave is the one giving me the strength. And he's alive and he's with us. We talked about how Jesus is the champion over the grave. Well, now we make it to our final installment into this sermon series. And I pray it blesses you. And here's the the title of it. It's called The Champion Ascending. The Champion Ascending. And I think there's a reason why I didn't get any amens right there or even just a minor little golf clap, nothing. Because we tend to leave this part of the story out when it comes to celebrating the Easter passion narrative scene. But can I just submit to you here today at church, we're calling this day Ascension Sunday, that we're taking the week after Easter to call it Ascension Sunday because we believe that the Ascension is a big deal. Somebody say big deal. deal. Come on, everybody, say, say, say big deal. I want you to know and be convinced and be excited about the ascension of Jesus because, brothers and sisters, it is a big deal, right? The good news that Jesus didn't just die and didn't just rise, and now he 
is a famous site in Israel where you can go see him and see his hands. No, no, actually, in fact, Jesus completes the mission that he set out to do by not just dying and rising, but by ascending to the right hand of the Father, completing the work that he started. Amen? And, and, and it's important that we catch that and we lean into it. And today I want to just talk to you with some reasons, some simple reasons from the Bible as to why it's important, how it applies to us, and my hope is that even you'll be drawn to worship him more because of it, that he's the champion that is ascending. Like we know where he's at today. Jesus is not just like kind of Lone Ranger superhero Jesus, y'all know, like he's not necessarily found in like a Marvel comic book, but more in the Bible book. I think sometimes we, we leave off after the resurrection and we're like, and then he rose from the dead and all lived happily ever after. That's not how the story goes. In fact, Jesus has more that he does and we're about to lean in and look at it. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Let's eat. Father, right now as we get ready to eat from your word, speak to us, teach us. Download your very inspired, living, and active words into our souls. God, we, we don't want to leave here the same. We want to leave here changed. Help us to see the ascension in a fresh way. Help us to see the gospel in a fresh way. Help us to be moved by you again. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, the book of Acts, the action of the church. When you get there, say, I'm there. Some of y'all are there. Some of y'all are flipping. If you need a Bible, go ahead and put your hand in the air like you just do care, and we'll walk you one down. Anybody need a Bible, a copy of God's Word here in the room today? We'll love to bless you with one. All right, Acts chapter 1, are you there? Come on, you know sermons here at Walker, a dialogue. Are you there? I need some help. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. In the first book, O Theophilus, and so I just really want to take a quick moment to do some teaching just briefly. He says, in the first book, the author of the book of Acts is a, a man by the name of Luke, and Luke wrote a gospel a few books before Acts called Luke's Gospel, and Luke authored that one, and then he continued to author the book of Acts, so that's what he's referring to in the first book, his first gospel called Luke. Okay, got it? Here we go. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while saying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the, the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Can I just really quick just put a little bookmark right there? pause for a second because we're not going to spend a lot of time after this on this verse, but I think it's important that we just highlight it for a second. Let me just, let me go back to verse six really quick. I want you to see this moment, right? Jesus has died. Jesus has rose. Now Jesus is spending 40 days with the disciples and anybody else around speaking about the kingdom of God because come on, he's the king of the kingdom. Amen. Seek verse the kingdom. 
and it's righteous, his righteousness and everything else will be added. Jesus is a kingdom leader. He's the king. Right? But verse 6, we, we, we find here that there's some individuals that came together that they had a question on their heart. They wanted to, they wanted to shoot their shot. <clears throat> Here's what they asked him. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, they're saying, okay, Jesus, you're talking a lot of kingdom talk. Here's what this must mean. Maybe Jesus is going to take over the kingdom right now. He's going he's to take over the rule and the reign of Israel and Jerusalem. He's going to push out and move out the oppression and the control and the injustice of the Roman officials. And he's going to take over and reign supreme as the resurrected Lord. That's what they were asking. But I notice Jesus, Jesus here gives a very interesting response. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, Jesus says, fix your focus. Come on, somebody say that real quick. Fix your focus. Believe, tap the person next to you and say, if they're on their phone, for sure, say, fix your focus. <laughs> fix your focus. Come on, right now. Fi fix your focus. Jesus says, fix your focus. And I, I think it's important, church, I really do think it's important that we catch this. Here's why. Because I've met so many individuals over my journey of being a Christian that gets so bogged down about what's going to happen in the future, the end times, when Jesus is going to come, who's the Antichrist, what about this president, what about this political power, oh, is this the moment where Jesus comes back? Can I just say, fix your focus. <laughs> Hear Jesus respond to all of that jargon. Hear him say, it's not for you to know times. It's not for you to know seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Friend, listen, I would even say it's not for you to know it. It's just for you to trust him. Amen? In fact, in a moment in the end of the Gospels where Jesus starts to unpack the, the end time stuff, he goes, here's a few things that you're going to see. Here's the birth pains when you know that Jesus is about to come back where the end is going to come. And, and, and here's what he says. Here's just what you need to know. During that time, don't get caught sleeping. And I think Jesus was less physically talking about, like, don't actually physically be sleeping. Praise God, Jesus is for sleep. Amen? In fact, Jesus, right, one time he got on the boat during the storm, went to the bottom, took a nap. Right? Jesus is all for naps. Amen? But, but praise the Lord here in this case, when he says don't sleep, I think what he's talking about as a church, don't get caught sleepwalking, church. In other words, don't get so caught up in the mundane ways of religion where you start to figure out how to be church and how to do church and how to play church that... You're no longer moved by the king of the church, the Lord of the church, Jesus himself, and you just know what to say, know what to do, check a box, come in here, smile, give somebody a high five, maybe even write, if you're spiritual, you know, a generosity envelope, and, and then just kind of do that for the rest of your life. You're sleepwalking. As a Christian, can I just say, true to the song, Jesus has more for you than that. In fact, it's hard to pin Jesus down to just one way he moves in the Gospels, right? Like one, one day he's walking on water, but the next day maybe Jesus wanted to do something different. You'd be like, you can't, you can't hold, you can't say, well, Jesus, you did it like that then, but Jesus might say, I want to do it like this now. I might want to multiply the bread now, and another day I might want you to go find the bread. I might want to go walk up to Lazarus and call him out of the tomb. I might want to do something different the next day. Praise God that Jesus is in control. He's good. He's big. And you, my, my brothers, my sisters, you don't, you don't have to worry about the times and the seasons. If you got all that, say, I got it. 
I know that somebody's going to send me an email and they're going to say, well, if you add 2022 plus the moon is shifted just 10 degrees, if you multiply that by eight and also the, the moon looks a little bit reddish these days, that means that Jesus is coming back in June. I'm, just, I'm not going to respond. In fact, yes, I am going to respond. I'm just going to send you this verse. Lovingly, in, in all respect, I'm just saying, hey, you're worried about the wrong thing. Like, trust Jesus and his timing and just continue to follow him as a disciple. He'll take care of the rest. You can trust him. If you got all that, say, I got it. Okay, come on, let's keep on going. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Here's the ascension. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, everybody say behold. behold. Two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. He's the champion ascending. He's the champion who defeated death who rose from the grave, who died for our sins, was born of a virgin, who lived the sinless life he never sinned, not once, and then completed the task by ascending into heaven. And I want to give you five reasons. Everybody say five. five. I'm going to move quick, so for my note takers, try your best, okay? I'm going to give you five reasons why the ascension is a big deal, okay? Somebody say Go. Okay, let me give you number one. Here we go. One, because the Bible declares it. The ascension is a big deal. One, because the Bible says it is. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is declaring that one day Jesus Christ will ascend back into his rightful place, and that's a big deal. Let me give you one of those texts out of Psalm chapter 24, which is one of my favorite scriptures, especially as we leaned into this on Palm Sunday. Its completion is found in the ascension. Here's what the author says. He says, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. Why? That the king of glory may come in. And then somebody from heaven shouts, who is this king of glory? The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Amen? Amen. See King Jesus as the one who's strong and who's mighty in battle. Come on, he just wrestled the grave. Right? He took on all of our sins. In fact, Jesus was so strong and so humble and so godly in his approach, right? That even while people were putting a crown of thorns on his head and putting a purple robe on him, he he despised them not, right? He he didn't hurl back insults. He just led through it. He's mighty in battle. He's victorious. He's the grave conqueror. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah, which means pause. Right? I love this moment right here, this prophetic psalm that hundreds of years before Jesus would ever ascend into heaven, it would be prophesied about that David would write about this moment where this king named Jesus would ascend the hill all the way back to the throne. Can you imagine heaven at this point? I wonder if there's this drum roll going on by these big old angels 
And I wonder if God the Father looks at the throne to, to, his, to, to, the, to the right of him, right next to him, and it's vacant. And he's wondering, not that he's wondering, but he's, he's declaring, today's the day. As he ascends into heaven, as he makes his triumphal entry, not just into Jerusalem, but into the heavens. And everything, the, the, lift up the gates, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. What a moment that would be, amen? I'm just trying to stir my heart to worship. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get reinvigorated about this king. This was a big, who is this king? Who dares sit at the right hand of the father? There's only one who can do it. He's mighty in battle. Right? He's strong. He is the capital L-O-R-D. This was prophesied about Jesus. The Bible declares that the ascension's a big deal. I love what it also says in Psalm 68. We see this also in a different psalm, jumping ahead. The text says, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives. Who's the captives? Me. You. Praise God for our leader ascending and leading even people like us to follow him. A host of captives in your train, receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious. Who's the rebellious? Us. That the Lord God may dwell there. I'm grateful that, that Jesus ascended. I'm, I'm grateful that he didn't just get on his donkey and sail off into the sunset and we never heard from Jesus again. That's not how the story goes. Jesus met with the disciples and then he confirmed all the stuff that was written about him. As he ascends. And maybe you would say today, how do you know that this you is referring to Jesus? I would say there's a few reasons, but one of the reasons would be Paul affirms this in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he quotes Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So here the apostle Paul, who's this Hebrew scholar, this wise leader, right, he pens Ephesians 4, he pens Psalm 68 and says, hey, this was talking about Jesus and what he ascended. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions? Jesus died and was buried, wasn't he? He descended to the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. The ascension was prophesied about. And confirmed, and now we see Jesus in Acts chapter 1, in Luke chapter 24, he gets his disciples together. In fact, 1 Corinthians says he appeared to over 500 people. And then he ascended into this cloud, which took him on his journey back to his throne. Oh, what a moment that would have been, amen? I'm so grateful for that reality that we see in the life of Jesus. The ascension is a big deal. Think, think about the, the topic of ascension throughout the Bible. I'm just giving you just some ideas if the Bible's new for you. Well, this, this idea of ascension was early on in the scriptures. You'll find a guy by the name of Moses. Everybody say hello to Mo. <laughs> say hi, Mo. I love Mo. Um, you see Moses, right? He would ascend up to this mountain, and then he would meet with God in this cloud. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can find this in the book of Exodus. 
Moses meeting with God in the cloud, hearing a word from God. Jesus, in Luke 24, he goes up the mountain, and he gets into the cloud. I love that right there. The fact that Moses would have this conversation, he couldn't get too close to the cloud because Moses would die. Right? He would just get a word. He would try to write stuff down. Jesus goes, the cloud is my car. The cloud is my elevator. Jesus says, I'm going to ascend. One day I'm going to jump back in that thing and I'm going to ascend back to my rightful place. And oh, how sweet that will be. That's the day we're celebrating today. That Jesus, he lived, he died, he rose. Friend, he ascended. They need to get some like cards at the Hallmark bookstore. Not just a happy Easter, but happy ascension card. Amen. (laughs) Too often we forget this moment. This moment changed history. This moment is a big deal. Let me give you the second reason. Somebody say number two. Number two. The second reason is because the gospel is confirmed by it. The gospel is confirmed by the resurrection and by the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Right When Jesus ascends into heaven and he takes his seat at the right hand of the Father, he's confirming all the work that he had done up to that point. Right, That Jesus is completing the mission. I love the fact that Jesus, right, he doesn't, he doesn't just play in the game, but he finishes the game, amen? Right, He got up from the grave. He, he made himself known. And then the last piece that he needed to complete and confirm this good news gospel was the fact that he would then one day ascend into the heavenly places and take his rightful throne. I love what it says in the, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is such a beautiful book. In chapter 9, verse 12, um, we see the author write about this moment. Hebrews says, he entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption for who? For me and you. Amen. Amen. What does the ascension do for us? The ascension secures us for the eternal redemption. Jesus ascends into the heaven, but this time he doesn't ascend with the blood of goats, with the blood of calves with the blood of animals he ascends with his own blood there's this phrase in in the culture called secure the bag right in other words secure the money that you are after amen Uh, well jesus says i'm securing the lives that i died for that i paid for at the cross at the resurrection i jesus gets into heaven and he he creates the security place Right? He's interceding for us to the Father and says, yes, I did die. Yes, I did rise. And I'm telling you face to face, I'm making a pardon for them. He, he's, our, he's our ransom. I love what he says in Hebrews 9. But it, jump even ahead with me to Hebrews 9.24. Hebrews 9.24, it says, For Christ has entered, not into the holy places made with hands. We can see those here on earth. I mean, I love Schofield. We turn this middle school into a place with our, we do our best, amen? Jesus ascended into a better place. He ascended into a place called heaven, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. The ascension confirms the gospel on your behalf. 
Amen? Somebody felt that. Somebody was like, thank you, Jesus, for doing that on my behalf. Thank you that Christ entered not into the holy places made with hands. Our human hands are, are, are flawed. Copies of the true things. Just a copy. We can try to, we can try to erect a, 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 a heavenly room here on earth, but it wouldn't be the true thing. Amen? It'd be a, it'd be a counterfeit. Be a copy. But Jesus ascended into the true place, heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you're pleading my case on my behalf. Thank you that, Jesus, thank you that you're not in Israel somewhere hanging out. Thank you that you're not just chilling, Jesus, somewhere here on earth. Jesus, thank you that you ascended into the heavenly places for me and completed the task. That we have a Savior, we have a Lord who finished the task. We find this not only in the book of Hebrews, but we find it in the book of Revelation. In the end times, right, we see the ascension on display. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. Come on, read this with me. Ready, set, go. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. I'm grateful for the amen from Manu. I just thought I'd get a couple more from this side of the room. The word amen is just a a, a churchy way to say I I agree. Here's why I'm going to amen this. Because one day, he he says, we get to to sit with Jesus too one day. The one who conquers, if you can make it through, if you can hold on to your faith, if you can trust Jesus and not fall into the waves and winds of this world, Have faith in Christ who loved you and died for you and rose for you and ascended for you into the heavenly places where he sits sits at the right hand of the Father. He says, I'm going to grant him to sit with me on my throne. Wow. I can't fully explain all what that means or all what that looks like, but friend, I believe it. I want to cash in on this verse one day. Amen? And Jesus says, here's why he can. Here's why she can. Because I also conquered. And I sat down with my Father on his throne. Our access, brothers and sisters, our access is Jesus ascended. Our access is Jesus at the throne. Right? We don't pray to a a Jesus that's on the cross alone. We don't pray to a Jesus that just rose from the grave. These things are powerful. We've been celebrating them all month long. But friend, don't forget that Jesus ascended and finished the task. Oh, I, I want us to just... Get that deep in our spirit and and see a big, full Jesus who completes what he starts. And that's good news. He he confirms the gospel in the ascension. He confirms, remember the word gospel means good news? He just, this is good news for us. He confirms it by sitting at the right hand of the Father. Come on, let's keep going. Somebody say keep going. Keep going. going. Let me give you number three. Number three. Here's why. The ascension's a big deal. The ascension's a big deal because the Holy Spirit is sent afresh because of it. The ascension should be be a big deal for you and me. Here's why. Because the Holy Spirit comes out in a fresh way. I would even dare to say the Holy Spirit is unleashed in a fresh way at the moment of Jesus' ascension. That there is something different that takes place. History is shaped and changed in a fresh way. This is not to say, this is not to say that the Holy Spirit wasn't around in the beginning. Oh, he's always been around, amen? 
In fact, it says in the beginning, right, there was the spirit hovering over the waters. What spirit was that? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always has been and the Holy Spirit always will be. Right? Genesis 1.26, it says that God the Father said, and let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to? He's talking to Jesus. He's talking to the Spirit. And they came up with a great plan to make us. Isn't that cool? Praise God. He's worthy of worship. Right? The Holy Spirit has always been, but at the ascension, the Holy Spirit is sent in a way that should encourage us today. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. We just read it. Let's lean into it one more time. You will receive power. Somebody say power. power. Oh, we can say it louder. Come on, somebody say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That right there, I just want to highlight just that part. We can't, we can't go any further until we understand this. Walk church, those online, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is the last words before Jesus ascends. The last, the last words recorded by King Jesus on earth before he ascends in heaven is this statement, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This word power, it's the Greek word dunamis. Translates to our English word, anybody? Dynamite. Jesus says, you'll receive TNT explosive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be different. This is a different type of interaction with the Holy Spirit than you've seen before. In fact, we've been talking about the good news of God with us. The Holy Spirit confirms that God's in us. The difference, right, is, is here. Now we see the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me, and the Holy Spirit's going to live in me. In fact, the Holy Spirit's going to live through me to his glory. The ascension's a big deal because the Holy Spirit comes alive in a fresh way in our lives, the believers' lives. Come on, that we need him to, amen? I, I don't know about you, but I need the power from on high. I, I need the supernatural comforter. I need the Holy Spirit to make me more holy. I need conviction. I need to be reminded when I'm wrong. I need to be helped in my weakness. Praise God that Jesus tells Peter, and hey, Peter, listen, I know you want me to stay because you're kind of selfish, and that's okay, but I'm going to help you with that because I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to be with you always to the end. He's like, ne never was Jesus limited. Don't get me, don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is on, during his time on earth, right, like people were trying to get access to Jesus, right? They're trying to find him. They're trying to break through the door. They're, 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 they're opening up the roof, poor guy's house, right, lowering somebody down just to try to get a moment with Jesus. If he was in Galilee, he was in Galilee. If he was in Jerusalem, he was in Jerusalem. If he was in Nazareth, he was in Nazareth. But Jesus tells us. He goes, it's going to be good for you that I ascend. That I ascend. Why? Because I'm going to send my spirit. Praise God, he's ascending God. Amen. He's ascending God. Right? God sent the son. And the son sent the spirit. And the spirit lives within us and helps us and strengthens us.
and encourages us. I love what the author John says in John chapter 14. John 14 talks about this same spirit. Even the spirit of truth. Praise God, he's the spirit of truth. Amen. Amen. Whom the world cannot receive. The world doesn't fully understand this Holy Spirit because they're battling. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now he says, walk church, listen, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit comes alive for the believer. Confirms the gospel in us. And then begins to live his life through us. I talked about this last Sunday on Easter Sunday. I talked about how the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Remember this verse? Now lives in us. Can I just tell you though? Jesus ascends into heaven and then that spirit comes. Why is the ascension such a big deal? Because the Holy Spirit gets tagged in. Oh man, I guess maybe I'm just one of the only WWE fans growing up. I used to love watching wrestling. You still can't convince me it's not real, all right? All right, I already know. It's okay. You don't got to send me an email about it, okay? But listen, I used to, growing up when I was a kid, I used to love the tag team matches. This imagery, right? And you see the one guy, he's trying to, he's just trying to get in. He's like, come on, tag me in. I just wonder if the Holy Spirit is reaching his spirit arm down from heaven and saying, come on, Jesus, ascend. Tag me in. And I could just imagine when Jesus sits down at the right hand of the Father. The work is finished. And he tags the Holy Spirit in. And he comes on the scene in a fresh way. And he starts illuminating eyes and convicting hearts and empowering believers to break through addictions and and turn from sin and turn to him and, and save people's lives and restore people's marriages and, and heal people. The Holy Spirit does those things, amen? The ascension's a big deal because he, the Holy Spirit, gets, he's always been, and, he, and there's even moments in the Bible where you see the Holy Spirit on display. Trust me, not, I'm not taking away from what the Holy Spirit did before the ascension. But the, the, the ascension hit different for the Spirit. The Spirit comes on the scene and just begins to change things with power. That's why Paul will tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, he'll say, God didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity. That's not the Spirit. He gave you a spirit of dynamite. He gave you a spirit of power. And, and today I would just say, if I could just take a moment, a liberty here, I just want to speak very candidly to everybody in the room and everybody watching this, whether now or maybe you watch this in the future, I still want to, I want to speak a word to you right now. Today, if you feel like you lack power in your walk with Jesus, that you feel like you're the same person before you knew Jesus, and now you feel like you're a Christian and you're just the same person, what I would just say to you today is that maybe you haven't experienced the power of the Spirit. Maybe you haven't experienced the power of the resurrection in you. Maybe what you've experienced is religion. And can I just tell you, my experience and my relationship with religion is powerless. Religion is about do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. 
checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. I hope I do enough because if I do enough, the religious God will have mercy on me. Can I just tell you the mercy is found at the cross. The mercy is found in Christ where he did all of the work for you. It's for you to receive. So you don't need a religion. You need a relationship and you need to be empowered by his spirit to do the Christian life that he's called you to live. You don't need more. I'll tell you what, I've hung around some religious people. They're kind of grumpy. Sometimes borderline angry. And I would even say cold. It's like, man, you need some joy. You need some spirit. Religious, I tend to find that religious people tend to lack spirit. Literally. The Holy Spirit does something in us. It, he, he gives us a supernatural joy, a supernatural power, a supernatural ability to... He changes our desires. Like I can remember being a 19-year-old a, a college student. I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believed the gospel. The Holy Spirit came into my life. I can't exactly tell the moment when it happened. I just knew I just was different. My, my desires changed. My passion changed. My, my idols were shrinking. And Jesus was becoming big. And I'm thankful for his spirit. Amen. And today you can call upon Jesus and you can even say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me a fresh filling. Give me a renewal, a renewed spirit to be the man or woman that you've called me to be. The ascension is a big deal because the spirit is active in a fresh way because of it. If you got all that, say, I got it. I got it. Let me give you point number four. Come on, somebody say four. four. Somebody say four. 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 The world is lost without it. I'm going to try to get here quick. Why is the ascension a big deal? Number one, the Bible declares it. Number two, the gospel is confirmed by it. Number three, the Holy Spirit is sent afresh because of it. Number four, oh, brother, sister, the world is lost without him. The world's lost without it. Back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, 8, here we go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let me highlight that last part. We just, we just spent some time at the top. Let's spend some time at the bottom. Here's what Jesus says. He says, when this spirit empowers you, he's going to do something in you in such a way where now you're going to become a witness for me. Jesus says, I'm going to give you something powerful that's going to cause something within you to dwell up, and you're going to be my Witness, you're going to come to the stand and you're going to proclaim that Jesus is king. He's the Lord and you have a story to confirm it. Amen? Amen. Come on, just raise your hand if you got a story. Hopefully everybody raises their hand. We all got a story, amen? We all got a story. Some of our stories are different. Some of our stories have different nuances and different parts to it. But praise God, we have a story. And your story can be your witness for Jesus as Savior. And I would just say there's somebody in Las Vegas who needs to hear it. There's somebody at your job that needs to hear it. There's somebody in your neighborhood that needs to hear it. Students, there's somebody at your school that needs to hear it. There's somebody in your house that needs to hear it. There's somebody in your sphere of influence that needs to hear it because you are a spirit-empowered witness
to Christ. Amen? I want to encourage you with that. This leads us to mission, doesn't it? Right? He says, you're going to be my witnesses starting right here in the hometown where it's very hostile to be a Christian at this time. They just killed Jesus. But he rose and ascended and filled you with his power. You can do all things through Christ. Even in Jerusalem. But don't stop in Jerusalem. How about you take the gospel to Judea? Why don't you be a witness even in a different culture like Samaria? Why don't you be a witness in... How about the ends of the earth? Where the church is now emboldened to take the gospel of Jesus Christ supernaturally empowered by the dynamite to be a witness for him all over the world. I'm excited here at Walk Church. We're going to be talking more about just our ability and our heart to reach the nations with the gospel. And I'm so grateful that we live in one of the most diverse cities in the world. Did you know that? I just heard that statistic that UNLV is the most diverse college campus in the country. That the nations are actually in our city. Come on, right? Uncle Manu, right? This is the ninth island, right? Come on, we've been celebrating the the, the Polynesian culture. I'm excited for our next culture night that we're going to do at some point later this year. Stay tuned, okay? It's coming, all right? But we love celebrating the nations. In fact, over the next couple weeks, you're going to be hearing about a partnership that we're developing in Africa that I would love for you to get to know about because the gospel needs to go forth, amen? And praise God that it is, that it is, that it is, that Jesus wants to minister his power, his salvation to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And who's going to do that? Can I just say it's us? That Jesus' blood has paid for more people to get to heaven. But how will they hear about it unless you and I open our mouths, give an invite card? I'm I'm seeing too many open seats over here, y'all. There must be more people that God wants to rescue. Amen? I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says in his devotional, he says, At his ascension, our Lord entered heaven, and he keeps the door open for humanity to enter. At the ascension of Jesus, who is this king? Jesus kicks it down. Maybe he didn't kick it down. Maybe it was more like an elevator opening. Bing! I don't know how Jesus entered. I just know they said, who is this king of glory? Open up these gates that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king? The Lord, the mighty, the battle. This is King Jesus. And, And praise God, he put a little doorstop in there. Because there's more people coming. There's more people following Jesus. Right? The most quoted psalm in the New Testament, the most quoted psalm is is Psalm 101. Psalm 101 verse 10. I'll put it up here if we can. But here's what the, the verse says. It says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So the most quoted Old Testament psalm comes alive in the Bible, in the New Testament especially. This is a picture of the ascension where the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And Jesus says, I'm conquering. I'm opening the door. Even I'm, I'm even making a way for my enemies. I pray that they would repent and come to know me. But for all who would hear the gospel, all who would put 
their yes on the table, all who would say, yes, Jesus, I believe, I receive because of the ascension, because of the death, because of the resurrection, because of the blood, there's a place for you in eternity. Amen. He's, he's positioned you for it. Somebody say last point. All right, here we go. Last point. Number five. Last point. Last point. Simply this. Our joy increases because of it. Our joy. Why is the ascension a big deal? Can y'all help me read them off? Let's read them loud and proud. Here we go. Why is the ascension a big deal? Number one, the Bible declares it. Number two, the gospel is confirmed by it. Number three, the Holy Spirit is sent afresh because of it. Number four, the world is lost without it. Number five, our joy increases because of it. I mean, amen. Somebody just wanted to clap just for all five of those. My, my uh, you know, just my desire, my desire was just that today you would be moved to worship because Jesus ascended. I hope these five points are helping create a deeper sense of worship because of what Jesus did. I did not want us to just say, happy Easter, everybody, and then move on because there is another moment that Jesus did. That's worthy of worship. Right? One author said, the reason why the ascension is important is because now we know where Jesus is right now. <laughs> Simply put, right? Like, we, we know where he is, and we know what he's doing. Do, do you know what Jesus is doing right now? Inter interceding. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. He is the great high priest. Do you know what the, the priest does in the Old Testament? The high priest serves as this middleman between human sinners and God. So the high priest would be the one that tries to make the connection between a sinner, would bring their, their sacrifice, their, their offering to the altar. The high priest would, would be an, an intercessor, right? Try to even become mediators so that man could get to God and become right with God. Well, Jesus says there's only one mediator. I am the great high priest who lives to make intercession so we can even go. Do you, have you ever thought, why do I pray in the name of Jesus? Have you ever asked that? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus who intercedes for us on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. Some of y'all are like, I don't know, Pastor. Hebrews chapter 4. Come on, let me give you just another verse. Come on, worship team, help me close. Worship team, help me close. I've got too much word in me today. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 talks about this moment. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Jesus was tempted just like us, in his earthly life. But he didn't give in to sin. He was without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Friend, here's the point. The point is this. You can increase in your joy, and my prayer is that you would increase in your joy because of the reality of where Jesus is right now that he's ascending at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you on your behalf. He's pleading your cause by his blood, and he's made a way for you to have 
eternal life. Not just in heaven, but right now. Amen? Not just in heaven, but right now. I had this moment just earlier. I'm going to close with this. The worship team's going to close us in a song. I had this moment earlier this week where I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but you just have a moment of discouragement. Maybe you just start to feel like, you know, I just kind of feel low or I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like I'm unworthy or I feel like I should have did something better, right? And I had one of those moments. Has anybody ever had a moment like that? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not a, I'm glad we're not a perfect church, okay? Praise God. There's no such thing, by the way. Jesus is perfecting us. And I had this moment and what came into my mind about God was influenced by this sermon, What came into my mind about God right there was not a picture of Jesus holding a gavel ready to condemn me. What came into my mind was a picture of Jesus sitting at the right hand praying for me. And you know what that did? That just increased my joy. Just the reality, just the reality that Jesus is for me, not against me, The reality that Jesus is interceding for me. The reality that Jesus beat death and ascended to heaven in my place. The reality that Jesus is holding a seat for me in heaven. The reality that I don't have to earn it. I couldn't do enough that if I were to read all 66 books in one sitting, Jesus would not love me any less or any more. That right here at this moment, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, and he's saying, hey, Father, I died for Hyden, and I love him, and I'm for him, and he's going to make it. That view of God changed how I felt. Let the ascension work in you in such a way where you see him in his glorified state for you. And you can know that the one that ascended one day descend and come back and rescue his people. Amen. Amen. He will. He's a man of his word. Because he ascended, we're going to ascend too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your word. Thank you for your gospel. God, I, I feel like I got better today. And so, Lord, you are the champion at the table. You're the champion in the garden. You're the champion on the cross. You're the champion on a donkey. You're a champion over the grave. You're a champion in heaven. And today, if you're here and you don't know him, and you have not received him as your savior, today's the day. Today's the day to see him in your place. Today is the day to see Jesus who loves you, who shed his blood for you, and today is the day to receive him. And right now you can call on his name. Right now you can say, Jesus, come on, just do it. Just, just join me. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready. I receive you. I believe you. And I need you. I turn away from my sins. And today I turn to you. Forgive me of my past. Fill me with your spirit now. Empower me, Lord, to be your witness 
Thank you for saving my life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.